the following are the readings for today genesis chapter 2 verses 15 to 25 this five found on page 2 and 3 of the church bible and ephesians chapter 5 verses 21 to 33 is found on page 1669 in the church bible Genesis chapter 2 verses 15 to 25 The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work in it and take care of it and the Lord God commanded the man you are free to eat from any tree in the garden but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil for when you eat from it you will certainly die the lord said it is not good for the man to be alone i will make a helper suitable for him now the lord god had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky he brought them to the ma- man to see what he would name them and whatever the man called each living creature that was its name so the man gave names to all the livestock the birds in the sky and all the wild animals but for adam no suitable help was found So the Lord God caused him caused the man to fall into a deep sleep and while he was sleeping he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man and he brought her to the man the man said This is now bone of my bones and the flesh of my flesh she shall be called woman for she was taken out of man that is why a man leaves his father and mother and united to his wife and they become one flesh Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame Ephesians chapter 5 verses from 21 to 33 is found on page 1669 of the New Testament section Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ wives submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the lord for the husband is the head of the wife as christ is the head of the church his body of which he is the savior now as the church submits to church uh, christ 
so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything husbands love your wives just as christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish but holy and blameless in the same way husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies he who loves his wife loves himself after all no one ever hates his own body but they feed and care for their body just as christ does for the church for we are members of his body for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh this is a profound mystery but i am talking about christ and the church however each one of you must love his wife as he loves himself and the wife must respect her husband this is the word of god praise be unto him thanks good morning everyone and uh including those of you who are joining us online i wonder if we could all um have a bible in front of us and turn back to that first passage genesis chapter 2 we'll pray. Heavenly Father, you are good and holy and your word is good and holy. Please now as we stop and think about what we've just heard, please give us understanding. Please show us your holiness and your goodness. Lead us to love and respect and honour Jesus Christ. We pray this in his name. Amen. Well, today we are thinking particularly about how men and women relate to each other, which of course is a controversial topic these days. A few years back, there was the Me Too movement. Do you remember that? The Me Too movement exposed some serious problems in our society's attitude towards women. And since then, there's been an ongoing discussion about whether the church has been part of the problem. Some even question whether the Bible itself has a problem in its attitude towards women. I came across an article, it was in the Washington Post newspaper by a lady called Pamela Milne. She says, The story of Eve in the book of Genesis has had a profoundly, more profoundly negative impact on women throughout history than any other biblical story. Well, this morning we are looking at the creation of Eve in Genesis chapter 2, verses 18 to 25. But what I want to show you this morning is that if you read this passage carefully, if we consider what this actually says, it's not demeaning to women. In fact, here we have a beautiful picture of male-female harmony. I preached on this passage at a wedding recently. 
uh, because this is the story of the first marriage. But this passage, it's not only for husbands and wives. This first relationship among humans, I guess it's a bit like where a stone falls into a pond. There's there's ripples that go out and, and in different ways shape relations between men and women in a whole lot of other areas of life. Now what I want to show you this morning can be summarised in three concepts. Equality, difference and commitment. Equality, difference and commitment. When I say equality, what I mean is that when we read Genesis... When we read this passage in context, we see that male and female relationships are built on the foundation of equal dignity before God. Um, I don't know, do you remember last week, Dean showed us this, this picture. He showed us the same picture. First of all, the whole picture zoomed out in wide angle. Uh, and then he showed us the same picture zoomed in on one part of it. And Genesis chapter 1, we sort of zoomed out and saw the wide angle. We saw the, 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 wide, ang- the, the wide angle view of the creation of men and women. I mean, that's our memory verse. God created mankind in his own image. Can you complete it? In the image of God, he created them. Well done. So the wide view... Men and women equal in dignity because men and women together bear the image of God. And we're supposed to, we're supposed to bring that, 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 that message from Genesis 1 into our understanding of Genesis chapter 2. When we get to chapter 2, it, it, it zooms in and it shows us that while there is equal dignity there's also an order to the creation of men and women. In Genesis chapter 2, the man was created first. Now, here's the thing. Up until now, everything mentioned in the book of Genesis has been good. Uh, In chapter 1, it repeated over and over again, and God saw that it was good. But here in chapter 2, verse 18, we have the first thing which is not good. It is not good for the man to be alone. Everything that the man has been put here to do with his life depends on the woman. Mankind can't be fruitful and increasing number, can't rule over the earth if there's just Adam all by himself. I mean, a book I read by uh, Graham Bainan and Jane Tour, it, it put it like this. This is teaching us the absolute necessity of women. And it's not simply that Adam would have felt lonely. It's that the man by himself could not fulfill God's creation purposes. And so God says, continuing verse 18, I will make a helper suitable for him. Hey ladies, how do you, how do you feel about that word helper? I mean, certainly some people kind of read this as if, oh, that means, well, men can just give women the, 
the menial jobs that, that men don't want to do. But, but in this pa- passage, the, the way this passage is written, it shows us that the kind of helper that the man needs is not just a functional helper. That's why we have this whole thing about God bringing the animals to Adam. What I mean is that if all the man needed was transport or cheese or a woolen jacket, well then, a horse, a cow or a sheep would have been quite suitable helpers. But, but what God wants the, the man to realise is that what he needs is someone who he can relate to. Eve, in this passage, is not Adam's servant. She's his lover. And it's significant that the first recorded speech by a man is a love poem. When the man sees the woman coming down the aisle, he says in verse 23, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. Here's someone who is my equal in dignity and worth. Here's someone who's like him enough to truly know him and yet also different enough to balance him out. A word that we sometimes use to summarise the Bible's teaching about men and women is the word complementary. So in maths they talk about complementary angles, angles that together make a square. Or in art, they talk about complementary colours, different colours, but between them, they contain all colour. Well, earlier I, I used the word harmony. What, what is harmony? Well, at least in music, harmony is when, when, when two people sing a slightly different note, but somehow... Together, it sounds better than two people singing the same note. Now, as I, as I talk about this and I look around the room, I'm conscious that there's sort of something like half of you are married and something like half of you are single. And, and the take-home message for the married people is perhaps more obvious, but what, what does this mean? For those of you who are single, who, who compliments you? And I think that's a, a really important question. And just for the moment, I want to acknowledge that question and promise that I'm going to come back to that before we finish. Because I, I don't think we can really make sense of singleness until we get to the gospel. But, but first... Let's think a little bit more about the differences between men and women in creation. And to talk about differences isn't sexist. Um, it's, just, it's just a fact. Physically, we are different. So if, if I asked you, who is taller, men or women? On average, men are actually taller. I mean, here's a, here's a graph of the heights of men and women in America. Now, it's interesting. There is a difference there. It's not a huge difference. It's a subtle difference. And obviously, some women are taller than some men. 
And, and in the same way, there's personality traits that overall are stronger in women or in men. There's been plenty of psychological studies done across cultures, across age groups, and consistently it shows that there are differences. If I can quote from, this is an article from a science journal, females on average tend to be more sociable, sensitive, warm, compassionate, polite, anxious, self-doubting, and more open to aesthetics. However, the same scientists also urge us to note that, okay, just like in our measurements of height, in our personalities, we're different, but we're not that different. See, sometimes people talk about men and women as if we're opposites. Uh, you know, what is it? Men are from Mars, women are from Venus. But the evidence suggests that the, the differences between men and women are, are more subtle than that. And it's significant. When Adam comes out with his love poem, his focus is not on how different she is, it's actually on how similar she is. She's, wow, she's flesh of my flesh. As the American author Dorothy Sayers put it, she said, the first thing that strikes the careless observer is that women are unlike men. They are the opposite sex, but the fundamental thing is that women are more like men than anything else in the world. They are human beings. Now, there is a subtle difference in role here between the man and the woman. The man is the one most directly given the task of caring for the garden and the woman's role here is supportive. There is an expectation that the man should be willing to take the lead and that his wife will be receptive to that lead. It's certainly not like a master-servant relationship where he just tells her what to do all the time. It's a partnership. It's leadership in love. It's not, and, and it's not that all men should lead all women. I mean, this is most specifically talking about husbands and wives. Now, we see this at the end of the chapter where the man and the woman experience intimacy within the safety of commitment. And commitment is, is what comes first. Verse 24 says, That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. This word united, in the, in the Hebrew language, literally it's he should cling to his wife. Now, you might ask the question, well, well, doesn't the woman also need to leave her father and mother? Doesn't she need to cling on to her husband? And yes, of course she does. But, but here the man is given the, the responsibility to take the initiative in love and commitment and service. That's what the man's leadership is all about. It's his particular responsibility to... Hold on tight, to not let go, to not give up loving so that he and his wife can grow together and become united emotionally and intellectually and spiritually and physically. Verse 25, Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. 
Now, notice the order of how this happens in God's good design. Commitment comes first and then intimacy. Because when you are intimate with someone, you make yourself very vulnerable physically, emotionally. And so God's intention is that intimacy happens within the safety of commitment. His intention is that you open yourself up only to someone who is committed to your well-being, someone who's committed to sticking by you. Whereas, of course, the trend in our culture has been towards intimacy before commitment. Although it's interesting, one of the things that has come out of this uh, the Me Too movement is a desire to educate people in consent. I mean, it's a complicated thing for our society to work through, this whole question of consent, because in the moment of passion, two people can misunderstand whether there's been consent or not. Can I just say, Christians have been doing consent for thousands of years. We we call it marriage. And, And along with consent, we call for a commitment to love and to honour. And you know, even though marriage is a good thing today, reality is that marriage today, even marriage today, is not always a safe place. Anyone who's been married can tell you about hurt and frustration and tension, and some can tell you about a whole lot worse than that. See, it's, it's impossible to land this passage into our lives without recognising that, that male-female relationships today don't happen in the paradise that Adam and Eve enjoyed. Today we live after the fall. We live after that moment where humanity broke it off with God. We live in this world where we've chosen sin instead of security with him. And so today, male leadership can so easily become domineering and selfish. And instead of cherishing, we can so easily criticise. People talk about toxic masculinity. Have you heard that, that term? I think it's helpful to recognise that, okay, from a Christian point of view, yeah, actually so easily natural male qualities can be twisted so that we become destructive to people around us. But, but what is it that's toxic? It, it's not maleness itself which is toxic. I mean, the Bible says maleness and femaleness is good. The thing that's toxic is sin and what sin does to our maleness and femaleness. Because men are sinners, let's not forget women are sinners too. And women, instead of being supportive to their men, can so easily, I mean, you know that, fall into nagging and controlling. But of course, the good news is that the misery and the mess caused by sin is not the end of the story. Because 
After creation and fall comes redemption. And our second Bible reading was all about how the coming of Jesus re-energizes marriage. Because Jesus comes expressing God's love for his people. Jesus humbly lays down his own life to pay the penalty for all of our toxic and sinful behaviour. Jesus says, here, come to me, accept my love and I will cling to you despite all your flaws. In this way, Jesus provides a model of love for husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And so Christian male leadership is is all about being Christ-like and taking the initiative for your wife's spiritual welfare so that she will be the woman that God has called her to be. Let me speak to those of you married men here this morning. Take that responsibility seriously. Be the one who who, who makes sure that your home is going to be a place of prayer, who who makes sure that your family is a family who opens up God's word. You be the one who gently leads the way in faith. But also, wives, can you help us with this, please? I mean, we need your help to be the men that God has called us to be. And so the love of Christ revitalizes marriage. But Christ's death is about much more than just improving the quality of marriage, isn't it? Because what's he doing? Through his death, Christ brings together his church as a community of love who he is leading into the new creation. In the new creation, the physical unity of marriages will be left behind. Marriage won't be part of the new creation. Instead, we will be captivated by the spiritual unity that we have with Christ. In that sense, we will find that he is the true man. He is the true lover. And we together are the ones he loves. We are bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh. He will forever cling to us and we will forever delight in that embrace. And so now that we've got to the gospel, I think now we can start to make sense of singleness. Because, okay, if, if marriage is the foundational relationship of this creation... Um, And in the Old Testament, um, marriage is always the goal. In in the Old Testament, singleness is never a good thing. You're always missing out on something in the Old Testament. But, But the coming of Christ elevates singleness. And in the New Testament, you see singleness is good. In some ways, singleness is even better than marriage. And so today, we find ourselves belonging to two worlds, We continue to be part of a world where marriage is good. But we've also become part of a world where our ultimate intimacy and unity and safety is in Christ. And actually, if if you're married here this morning, you'll always to some extent need to juggle 
the responsibilities of your two worlds. If you're single, well, okay, you're still living in two worlds. You'll still go to work and cook dinner and all of that, but but God has given you a, a level of freedom to throw yourself into the things that welcome others into this new creation. God's given you a particular freedom to throw yourself into Christian community. Because Christian community is intended to be a space to enjoy intimacy and companionship, I mean, in a non-sexual way. Christian community should be a place where men and women complement each other as we work together in the gospel each bringing slightly different perspectives and insights and wisdom. Christian community is intended to, to, to come with the safety of commitment. That's why when people become members of the church, we say, will you promise to love others and show a genuine concern for their best interests? The idea is that we can be a place of truth and love, a place of honesty, because we've promised that we're not going to judge and use things against one another. So to wrap up, I get that in Aussie culture, this idea that men and women can be equal in value but different in role, I get that this can be hard to accept. Perhaps part of it is that, okay, for Aussies, so often our identity is tied up in what we do in what role we have. It was actually, you know, from a gospel point of view, my identity isn't based on what I do. It's not on my own work. My identity is tied up in my relationship with God. My identity is ultimately about being united with Christ for all eternity. What were the three concepts that I pointed you to in Genesis chapter 2? Equal dignity... Well, if we're united to Christ, well, we will share his glory. That's, that's amazing. Um, difference in role. Yes, for all eternity, Christ will remain the head and we will submit to him. Commitment. Christ is absolutely committed to us. He said, I make a new covenant in my own blood. And so whoever we are, Male, female, married, single. Yes, do that. Fulfill your calling in the way God intends you to. But but realise that you'll only be able to do that in a wholesome and loving way if your identity is bound up in Christ. If you, real, if you believe that what really matters, what really counts for all eternity is Christ and his love for me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the love of Christ, a love far more than anything we deserve. We thank you for the, the dignity and not honour that we will share his glory. Father, we pray that uh, you will enable us always to submit our lives to Christ and we pray that you will enable us
to be faithful in our roles toward each other, male and female. Father, please equip us to be a blessing to those you have put in our lives. Please hold us back from sin which harms. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this has been the last message in our current series in Genesis, and we're going we're gonna, to we'll come back to chapter 3, but a little bit later in the year. Because from next week, we're going to shift our attention to Easter, which is coming up soon. And of course, today we've remembered when Christ died on the cross, that was his leadership of love. And this was the groom giving himself so that his bride might live. And so let's sing now. Amazing love, oh what sacrifice.